Welcome to Economic Development Secrets, where economic developers from across the country spill their secrets to our host, Nicole D'Souza. You'll hear firsthand accounts from economic developers in the trenches, from what works to what doesn't work, how deals come together or how deals go bad. You'll hear everyone's economic development secrets. Welcome to Economic Development Secrets. Before we get started, here's a quick invitation from our friends at DCI. Hey, ED Secrets listeners, it's Patience Fairbrother. And Andy Levine of Development Counselors International. If you simply can't get enough of Economic Development Podcasts, we hope you'll check out our podcast, The Project, Inside Corporate Location Decisions. Every two weeks, we go behind the scenes to look at the latest site location announcements. We interview the corporate executives, site selection consultants, and economic developers behind the projects. The Project Inside Corporate Location Decisions is clearly among the top two economic development podcasts in the world. So check us out on iTunes or aboutdci.com. That's The Project Inside Corporate Location Decisions. Give us a listen. Thank you, and back to Economic Development Secrets. This month's special guest is Michael Collins, President and CEO of Port Kansas City, Missouri's Economic Development Team. Michael shares how to conduct effective bi-state economic development and how their industrial sector has become one of the top eight in the nation. Let's jump right into Michael's economic development secrets. Good morning, Michael. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. Good morning. How are you, Nicole? Doing well. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Good, good. Well, can you start out by telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, um, I'm Michael Collins. I'm the president and CEO of Port KC. Port KC is the Port Authority of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, and we named, we changed our name to be more simplistic in nature and to, um, to move forward with uh, what we're doing. Um, not many people always think, uh, think about port authorities as economic development engines besides waterfront development or even riverborne commerce or, or um, ocean commerce. But Port KC, we focus on three um, components. We focus on transportation, global commerce, and development in general. And that includes waterfront development. That also includes river uh, or, or uh, development that is not connected to the river as well. Um, we're located in Kansas City, Missouri. Our port district um, is actually the entire city of Kansas City, Missouri. So our port district is more than 300 square miles. Um, so that's very interesting to know um, to a lot of people because it's a very large port district. Um, but uh, it's it's an organization that really prides itself on working with other organizations across the city um, in making sure that economic development is realized and that work not only in the workforce, but that the infrastructure is in place uh, to make sure that we can actually have a burgeoning community. Um, prior to me going on at Port KC almost seven years ago, um, I worked for U.S. Senator Kit Bond um, on the Public Works and Economic Development Act, um, worked on water resources, economic development policy, um, and labor and appropriations and transportation policy in Washington, D.C. And that's really where I got uh, uh, my experience of working on all things economic development. That's really I, where I found my passion. Um, to understand the intricate nature of economic development and how much from a micro and macroeconomic level um, the persistence takes um, in order to make your community 
one of vibrancy and one of economic competitiveness, not just locally anymore, but globally. Um, so prior, so that information and that experience has helped me uh, continue uh, throughout my uh, professional career. Um, but before that, I, I was at um, um, Park University. It's a small private university in Parkville, Missouri, which is actually not that far from Kansas City. It's also along the Missouri River. Um, and that's where I received my undergraduate. And I did my uh, graduate work, went to business school at Rockhurst, which is a private Jesuit university also in Kansas City. So I'm a Kansas City in my nature. I actually was born in Kansas City and actually grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, down the about an hour away so uh i am a natural jayhawk fan um but uh but really looking forward to where the future is going for the vision of economic development um, um for the 21st century great well can you share with us a little bit about doing bi-state economic development i think that's one thing that people aren't as aware of in their everyday happenings of economic development. Sure. So, you know, Port KC, we work with a number of agencies, economic development agencies across the uh, Kansas City spectrum. Um, we, we, Port KC, we are a, um, a area that is created by state law in the state of Missouri. So we are actually constrained, with the exception of Riverborne Commerce, our development infrastructure efforts are really constrained by the state line. But we also work with many organizations that erase that state line. And why that's very important for in a, a locality like Kansas City, Missouri, is because if, you, if many know their geography about Kansas and Missouri, we actually share um, a city. Uh, one of it's Kansas City, Missouri, the other is Kansas City, Kansas. And you look at the totalitarian of the area, which is an over two million people in the greater Kansas City metro area. Um, that is a significant amount of people on the, both the Kansas and Missouri side. The workforce, um, if you look at our interstate system, our workforce uh, moves all across this greater Kansas City area. We're Missourians, uh, Kansas City, Missourians, drive over to Johnson County, Kansas. And Johnson County, Kansans, from, uh, from Overland Park or Leewood or where have you, um, drive over to the Missouri side. So we actually utilize both of our infrastructure uh, uh, and our workforce uh, very vividly. And one of the things that we have, uh, you know, uh, it, we've, we've been working to address is actually what we have is, I hate to use the term border war, but we've had a border war for many years now, and we've been working um, trying to remove that to where true economic development, um, understanding who does what best and where we should not compete uh, for each other because it came to us stealing each other's um, companies. It, that's not true economic development. That's just pirating. And there's no real, there's no growth, there's no growth, there's no job growth, there's no real wage growth. Yes, some lo localities, um, where we see enhanced tax-based growth, growth, but how long is that for? Um, there's no real growth in business, uh, businesses being created, just being stolen. So, you know, if you look at those issues and how do you make an area uh, much more uh, opportunistic of going after com competition globally and regionally and nationally, um, that's where we are really looking forward to playing. Uh, both on the Kansas side and the Missouri side. Um, we have a lot of organizations that work with us. 
um, that actually have the ability um, to work on both sides of the state line, which is very beneficial to us uh, because it puts us all at the same table at the same time where, um, you know, if we're going to compete, let's compete with companies and the entities that are outside of the greater Kansas City metro area, not those that are inside. And we're more than willing to have that type of dialogue um, of what should we be doing inside our greater Kansas City metro loop um, to benefit each other. Um, because with if either of us go sour in an economy, um, one, if not both, will feel it just directly and as quickly. So we are dependent upon each other uh, from an economic standpoint, from a social standpoint, um, um, we are interwoven. Most people do not see the state line as an issue until it comes to your actual jobs. Um, so we're, we're working very diligently with a lot of organizations um, to help us kind of remove that, um, that indivisible, indivisible barrier um, of economic development opportunity so that what Kansas does best, they should go after. And what Missouri and Kansas City um, do best, we should go after uh, from a regional, national, and global perspective, and not necessarily a municipal pirating perspective. That's incredibly interesting. I had never even thought about most of the things you'd even mentioned. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. Well, uh, you'd also shared with me earlier that your industrial sector is in the top eight of the nation. Yes, it is. Um, Kansas City, and ironically, and this is going back to what I was stating earlier about uh, Kansas and Missouri, um, Kansas City, uh, Missouri, and the greater Kansas City metropolitan area, which includes Kansas City, Missouri, and many parts of Kansas in the Kansas City metro area, um, we've seen a continual uh, burgeoning of uh, industrial activity here. Um, many people know that Kansas City was really formerly a north-south trade route. And with the advent of e-commerce, with the advent of you know the last mile type of shipping efforts, um, over the last few years, Kansas City has um, increased the volume of not only tonnage um, of cargo, but also the, the volume of industrial spec space. Over last year alone in Kansas City, Missouri, we put in um, almost 7 million square feet of industrial spec space, new spec space. Um, in areas that didn't have it. Um, we've used areas such as um, properties that are sitting up on old landmines, um, not, and I'm talking about like cavernous mines where we mined out the limestone 40, 50 years ago, um, refilled it, and then now we have industrial within it and on top of it as well. And we've seen this continual growth. And not only, in not until this year though, have we seen the amount of industrialized growth from a speculative um, uh, basis really continue to move as fast as it has um, in the last five to 10 years, of course. Uh, the while the recession did slow quite a bit down, um, in Kansas City, we have seen um, three, 400,000 square feet facilities being built um, from a speculative basis, um, pretty much two or three um, listed a quarter now. Uh, we also have we were able to absorb with one company alone almost 3 million square feet in different parts of the Kansas City area um, with one company, that company being Amazon. So Kansas City, uh, because we can reach 85% of the United States population within a two-day drive, 
we have been a very good opportunity for other companies that are utilizing their distribution networks in a different way to really uh, move their cargo and their and their goods and their product to the majority of the United States market with with ease um, throughout our interstate network uh, where you can reach California, um, um, uh, Maryland, and you can reach uh, Canada as well as Mexico all from Kansas City uh, within the same interstate routes that we have. So we've seen a lot of industrialized growth because of that. B, also because of that industrialized growth, we're starting to see more workforce growth. And workforce growth is obviously is very near and dear to pretty much every economic development agency uh, that works in this landscape because it shows the true uh, measure of value um, within, your or within your city. How many people are working, and not just how many people, how well are they working and providing for their family? And, um, and that provision allows for more infrastructure potentially as well when the tax bases continue to increase. So when you look at the workforce, one of the things that we're looking at right now is not just building industrial spec space all the way out in the outskirts of town to where it's more difficult remote to provide opportunity for people to get to work. Uh, let's look at trying to get that last mile industrial spec or industrial solution closer inward, um, closer to even urban districts, the urban core or urban warehousing I know has been discussed nationally um, in, some out, in some outposts. And just really talking about how do we get the workforce to not only have and obtain a job, but obtain a job in an area where they know and not just driving them or taking the bus you know, 30, 40 miles away, but how do we provide them an opportunity um, to where they are working with their own community and they see the economic impact, they see the social impact with their schools and the tax base is going up so they have more provisions for their schools. So we're looking at those aspects of how do we start to really reflect on this growth and how do we make sure that it is for everyone in Kansas City, not just for those who have a green site ready to go, flat piece of land that you can put a industrial spec facility on, but where else can we utilize, where else can we retool positions um, across the Kansas City metro area? So we're looking at that holistically, trying to create solutions for those opportunities um, of jobs, and also not just jobs, but also the, the private investment as well, which is just as important. Wow, that is so neat. Congratulations on that very impressive designation, by the way. It sounds like you guys know what you're doing. That's awesome. Yes, thank you very much. Well, it's, you know, the best part about it is Kansas City. We have goal. We have a lot of vision and goals in front of us, and we have a lot of people uh, working together. I was actually just talking to quite a few people on Friday, last Friday, about uh, economic opportunity. A lot of people came in really not understanding how Kansas City worked and how we could have two organizations um, that represent both Kansas and Missouri, the Port Authority, Port KC, and then um, two other organizations, one being kind of the, the state of Missouri's um, economic development agency, and then, one from, and then another from Kansas, and how we can all have these same discussions at the table. The funny thing is, we all know each other, we all know what our goals are, and, but we know what's most important. Uh, and not only is it to make sure that we're working together when we can, we know that there's opportunities in times of, of competition, but that we're also making sure that the greater Kansas City metropolitan area is very well represented because at the end of the day, when you're trying to 
um, entice a company or a site selector to choose your uh, community, you better know your community well. Um, you, you have to know the positives, and I don't like to call them negatives, but the deltas of challenging constraints that you have um, to really help you um, deliver the desired results that your community wants. And it's gone, you know, do we have our hiccups? Absolutely. Uh, but it's gone very well over the last few years. Wonderful. Well, can you tell us a little bit about a project that you've worked on? Yes. Well, you know, we were, you know, just as many people around the country um, have been very um, confused. And when I say confused, a lot of community, um, those within the community don't always understand um, tax incentives or incentives for large corporations, small corporations, or whoever, developers, what have you. Um, and so one of the things that we look to do is Port Casey, we obviously have the ability to, to provide a lot of tax incentives um, to organizations. And not just uh, one thing, we're not a but-for organization as a creation of the state of Missouri. Um, so we do have, we do analyze things a little bit differently because most of the projects of where the incentives are, we actually own the property. So we look at things very differently, but I wanted to talk about a project where we worked with an organization where they are a plumbing manufacturer and we brought them to a old Air Force base, which was Bracked um, Base Realignment and Closure um, in 2005. And that area, uh, that old um, Air Force Base, um, has had its ups and downs, more in downs than it has ups in the last few years. Um, uh, because if you've dealt with an Air Force Base before, you kind of understand the intricate nature of environmental issues, as well as just providing the land to be a, a solid solution for economic development purposes, which it was not previously used for. And this plumbing manufacturing company, we've been working with them for quite a while to try to get them to Kansas City. Uh, and we finally were able to, to, um, uh, to secure them. However, with that said, we were also at the height of um, tax incentive debate uh, within the Kansas City area. And why are companies receiving tax incentives? Um, why are companies receiving any incentives um, to do their daily job? And one of the things that we were looking at is how we in Kansas City and in certain parts of the country really incentivize companies. Are we incentivizing the company? Are we incentivizing the facility? And sometimes if you incentivize the facility, what you come to is when the company leaves, there is no recourse. Um, besides you have a building there that is sitting empty and you have a company that may be trying to um, obtain an additional incentive somewhere else. And then we usually start to take it out on the building, that the building didn't do what it was supposed to do to maintain the incentive. Therefore, we try to claw back the incentive on the facility. When you try to call back an incentive on a facility, that makes it very interesting that you're actually punishing an empty space and not punishing a space or not looking at how to make it better when the space is full. So with this manufacturing company, we had quite a few discussions about what they were going to do and how they were going to enhance job base over the five, next five to 10 years. So we worked with them not just to talk about what their expectations were with what they thought they would grow because usually every company that comes into town who wants to work with you 
and obtain incentives and move in and build a facility, they always talk about hyperextended numbers that usually fall and decline over time as you continue to discuss with them the project. We talked to them at length about what their opportunities were with regard to how they were going to increase their workforce and to illustrate that conservative increase in workforce over time. We also connected our tax incentive to that workforce being grown or being enhanced. So um, it was a 10 or 15 year project, I believe, a 15 year project where the incentives were based upon if they were able to grow their workforce within the next five years of what their bases were, they would maintain that incentive for another five years. If not, we would start to um, increase or, or rapidly increase the, um, the restriction on the tax increase, on the tax incentive, thereby increasing the tax in, uh, or lowering the tax incentive every year until it was over and going down to zero. And we were going to enhance that very fast. We also talked about if you were going to bring in jobs, where were they coming from? Because if they came in from Kansas, we may not value that. If they came in from other parts of the country, we would value that. And more importantly, if they came in from overseas, which they were talking about, we would provide that maintenance of uh, tax incentive level that they were currently carrying. Um, I'm happy to say that it actually didn't take them five years. We only did this project two years ago. And they've actually exceeded their project, um, uh, their, their clawback uh, uh, definition um, by leaps and bounds of hiring more and more employees within the area. Some of them, um, they brought back jobs from, um, um, from Mexico. They brought in jobs from the Northeast um, part of the United States. And so what we still do is we don't just pat ourselves on the back and say we did our job. We still want to talk to them about um, are the incentives needed? What else is needed? What else can be done to make sure not only you're looking out for yourself, but this is a 1500 acre industrial space. And how are we going to continue to work together? Who else out there? What suppliers do you have uh, that we need to be working with? We're right on a rail um, connector between Kansas City Southern Rail, which is a class one railway uh, railroad company, and that goes directly into Mexico from the, their um, backyard of this manufacturing company. So what else can we do to make sure that this is a burgeoning opportunity and that we continue not only just incentives, but we continue workforce goals and drivers for them, but also for other parts of the industrial park. So, you know, we talk to them probably quarterly on what they're doing and how we're going to do things better. And, and not, just, not just looking at an incentive, that's one piece of the puzzle, but looking at workforce, what type of workforce opportunities are there? Um, what types of education components? How is our transportation for your workforce being uh, well received? What do we need to tweak? Do we need to work with the Area Transportation Authority, which we do? I talked to the president of the Air Transportation Authority probably on a uh, almost a weekly basis, but more so on uh, a bi-weekly basis about how do we ensure opportunity for your ridership through the ATA's eyes, the transit uh, authority's eyes, and then my workforce goals within the industrial parks that we own and control. 
How do we make it easier and make it more efficient for people to get to work in a timely fashion and not take an hour or an hour and a half to get to work where they're losing time, they're losing their family time when they get home. So we look at things holistically about workforce development, not just trying to get someone to a job, but also trying to get someone to a job and back home so that they can enjoy their life. Thank you so much for explaining how you thought everything through with that project. No problem. That's awesome. Well, I have a few wrap-up questions for you, Michael. The first is, what's your biggest economic development secret to success for other economic developers out there listening? Well, I would have to say it's, it, you know, we can, I could talk about analysis and um, I can talk about, you know, your, your cost benefit numbers, what do they look like? But at the end of the day, how does it fit within your vision? Um, the best, just, just the best piece of um, uh, evidence that I could provide to that is really how is it moving your community forward in a strategic long-term format economic development is not about a quick win the term economic development alone illustrates a support of opportunities 20 30 40 years down the road at least 20 years down the road so they're not quick wins the best uh, piece of advice i could give to people is over communicate reflect you may have uh, opportunities of utilizing tax incentives or your cost benefit analysis ratios or, or whatever, but if you're not communicating well to the community where they continue to understand the value that you bring to them, they're going to question what value you have and why you're using certain tools. The other component to that is why I say over communication it's important to always reflect with your peers, with your colleagues, what are we doing well? Uh, I'm not saying that you just kind of uh, reorganize and restructure each time that there's a, an issue with regard to tax incentives or where you may be placing a spec industrial or infrastructure uh, facility. What I also mean is continue to keep people in the loop so they continue to understand the value that your agency or agencies are bringing to them and why it's important that you must do this work and that it's not just for you it's for them illustrate why and how the community does benefit from it and illustrate to them from a long-term and a short-term aspect why it's very important to continue on this pathway um, and communicate and, and collaborate as much as you can. Think about organizations that you naturally compete with. You don't have to compete with them all the time. Sometimes there is a great opportunity for cooperation. And then looking at those aspects of who can I work with and cooperate with now, but knowing that I may compete within another couple of weeks and vice versa again in a month or two. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that actually keeps us all on our toes and keeps us reflecting on what works best and also keeps us innovative at thought and keeps us aggressive in what we're trying to pursue. And it also keeps our eyes on the strategic vision ahead, which is economic growth and vitality for your community. That is great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, the next question is, are there any economic development resources that you would recommend? Well, of course I'd recommend um, impact data resources. Uh, impact data analysis we utilize uh, impact data source for our um, uh, organization um, you know all of the time 
on all of our projects. Um, it helps us understand the value of the organizations that we're working with. I would also say, um, in addition to understanding the financial numbers, do a deep dive into the organizations that are coming into your community. It may be that, well, I know who this company is. It's a large, you know, outstanding company. They're a multinational. Why would I know enough? You don't always, you, we all think we know enough until we actually start to peel away certain things. Maybe it was a labor issue that no one talked about. Maybe it was an issue about um, their best practices or lack thereof in a specific community that you've never heard of. So really, I think the best resources is having the financial data and the impact data analysis resources. Um, and that information really truly helps us uh, at Port Casey think projects through and have a real live view uh, of how we can tweak things to make them either more efficient for the community and the taxing jurisdictions, uh, but all while uh, making it beneficial for um, the company or organization looking to come into our community as well. Well, thank you for that testimonial. That is very sweet of you to do. And glad yeah. that the software is useful. That's always good to hear. Absolutely. Well, my last question, and it's the hardest one yet, is what is your favorite hobby? I would have to say golf and smoking meat. Um, I, I'm in Kansas City, so if you don't if you don't know how to barbecue and grill, you probably you, you may think about moving. Uh, no, I I I'm a, uh, I love smoking all types of meat um, and grilling uh, for family and friends and having large outings. And I love going golfing because it you know both of them take me away from uh, kind of thinking about economic development. I don't ironically I don't think about work at all when I'm golfing. I don't think about uh, work when I'm smoking meat or anything of that nature. So it really helps me provide a reset button. And they're both long, so I don't get to do them long, you know, uh, very often. Uh, but it helps with the reset button very much so. Both very awesome, very fun hobbies. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time to share your economic development wisdom today. Um, no I'm in awe of the amount of wonderful advice you've shared. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Economic Development Secrets is brought to you by Impact Dashboard, the only impact software built for economic developers. For more information on this podcast or to listen to past episodes, check out www.impactdatasource.com.